0: Hello and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpe. And I'm Pete Torpe.
1: The critical theme of this resolution is around integration, you know, not just integration into mainstream health services, but also integration across different sectors across education uh, across business and it's really critical that uh, the whole eye care sector get behind that agenda and that we hold governments to account ultimately um, we IPB and uh, in fact all of the UN ambassadors who work towards this resolution want to see a world where everyone has access to the eye care services they need. Uh, So it's a it's a big agenda and it's a great start with this resolution, but there's a lot more to do.
2: And as you'll hear today, treatable blindness is a major problem
0: in many parts of the world. And we'll be talking more about it. A new United Nations resolution aims to address this problem. We'll speak with Jessica Thompson, Head of Policy and Advocacy at the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness, or IAPB, about the resolution, about what it hopes to accomplish, and about what her organization did to help make this come to fruition. But first, for our tip of the week, this week's tip comes from Jessica Thompson.
1: My one tip would be to have the audacity to go for things i think when we first started uh this process on advocating for a un resolution uh it felt pretty unattainable and you know pretty ambitious but we just went for it um and actually we were so pleasantly surprised to see how many people felt so strongly about this issue at the global level. Um, So that's my one tip.
0: That's great. And it's paid off for you because although at the beginning, as you said, you thought it seemed unattainable, apparently it was not.
1: Exactly. And I think that's just a testament to everybody who works in this sector and the importance of this issue.
0: You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, success,
1: success, success, success,
0: Let's start by meeting Jessica.
1: Hi, yes, I'm uh, Jessica Thompson. I'm the Head of Policy and Advocacy at the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness. Um, And I lead our engagement with the World Health Organization and the United Nations and coordinate our major global advocacy campaigns.
2: And you are in the United Kingdom right now, right?
1: I am, yes. I'm in Southwest London.
2: Is that where the headquarters of this organization is?
1: Yes. So we're headquartered in London, but we're a global organization. So we have staff all across the world. And of course our membership is global as well.
2: And how big of an organization is this?
1: So we're probably about twenty staff members or so. Um, but You know, really, we're built up of a network uh, of NGOs, corporates, eye care professional associations, academic institutions. So we really sort of get, certainly from the advocacy perspective, our voice from those various groups and organizations.
2: It sounds like you have your hands full then.
1: Yes, definitely. In a good way. Do you have a personal connection with blindness? I don't actually so I came to the eye care sector with no background even in public health um, and no connection to to eye health or to blindness so I was uh, a lawyer by training and then spent five years working in advocacy but for justice policy globally Um, so this was completely new to me and uh, yeah very different but also uh, I think the thing is is that Everybody will experience some form of eye condition in their lifetime. So we're all connected to it in some way.
0: Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners.
2: Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to
0: hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is the work of the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness and the resolution they were recently instrumental in getting passed by the United Nations to commit countries around the world to providing eye care.
2: Jess, why don't we start out by having you tell us what the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness does and what its overall mission is.
1: Sure. So, I mean, as I mentioned, we're really the overarching alliance for the global eye care sector. So at our heart, we're a membership body and we have about 150 members, uh, probably across, I think, more than 100 countries now. And so what we've done is is built this network of really passionate and committed organisations who share our value and our mission to achieve universal access to eye health. And as IPB, we really provide a platform for collective advocacy. We share knowledge across the eye care sector um, and we build partnerships across the sector and also beyond the sector as well.
2: And how long has this organization been around? What was its genesis?
1: So our history dates back to the 1970s um, when the late Sir John Wilson uh, amongst other people began to draw attention to the problem of global blindness Um, and these efforts led to the setting up of IPB on the 1st of January in 1975. So we have a long history and of course throughout that time we've had a very close partnership with the World Health Organization as well.
2: And it sounds like you interact with a number of organizations around the world in various countries. It must be sort of like herding cats. How does this all work out?
1: It's a little bit like that. But, um, you know, actually, one of the things that's quite striking or struck me when I first came into the eye care sector is, you know, how coordinated as a sector they really are Um, and you know how much consensus there is around the sort of advocacy and the policy agenda for eye health and um, certainly over the last few years we've had a number of different sort of big moments in the eye health sector that have sought to sort of further that and champion that um, particularly in the global space so there's lots of different groups Uh, within IEPB, both in terms of advocacy, um, but also in terms of kind of on the ground implementation uh, that enable this work to happen.
2: And I understand that the UN has just passed a new resolution that you are quite excited about. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes. So we're very excited about that. Um, It's the first resolution on vision at the United Nations. And in fact, the first time vision and eye health have really been discussed as a major global issue at the UN. And and what it does is it explicitly links eye health and vision to over half of the sustainable development goals, um, including those on ending poverty, quality education, gender equity, decent work, and economic growth. So we're absolutely delighted that this resolution was passed and uh, really grateful, in fact, to our UN Friends of Vision group of ambassadors who've championed this resolution um, over the last few years.
0: How do you expect it to get
1: implemented? Yes, so this is very much the first step. And what was great to see uh, in the resolution is at its heart, it has a really ambitious agenda. It calls on the international community to reach the 1.1 billion people um, who have a vision impairment and do not have access to the eye care services they need. By 2030. Um, and so, what it does is it sets a number of calls to actions to different stakeholder groups. Uh, so, it encourages governments to adopt a whole of government approach to eye health uh, and to start to link eye health uh, to their other development priorities. It calls on donors and funding institutions to increase their funding for eye health, uh, particularly for developing countries. It calls on the UN institutions to promote and include eye health in their work. And it also recognizes the critical role of civil society, but also the private sector uh, in making all of this happen. So it's an ambitious agenda. And I suppose the next steps are really to start advocating for this at a country level so we can see that implementation.
0: So is your organization going to be doing advocacy in all I don't even know how many countries there are in the world at this point, but it's well over a hundred.
1: That's the ambitious plan, yes, absolutely. So and and this is you know the benefit of having a global network like IPB. It means that whilst we can collectively group together to achieve this sort of global advocacy kind of wins like this UN resolution, um, it also means that we then have a network of people who are on the ground who have the relationships uh, with the government who can then advocate for its adoption and actually translate this into something that's meaningful and actionable um, so it will rely on uh, our membership and everyone within the sector um, on playing their part and, and driving this forward um, and there's also then a number of Global things that uh, exist within the UN resolution that we will want to take forward, particularly around getting some targets agreed within the sustainable development goals on eye health, um, you know, making sure that those UN institutions like UNICEF, UNDP, UN Women, that they start to include eye care as part of their programme of work as well. So we'll be operating at both levels, the, the global and the national.
2: I guess in the United States and the United Kingdom and other developed countries, we kind of take a lot of this for granted. We have people with vision problems, of course, but we mostly take care of it. But you mentioned over one billion people around the world with eye problems, many in countries that can't afford to do these things. So as kind of a motivation for this resolution, can you kind of highlight what the issues are around the world and some of the less developed countries, why this is an issue?
1: ultimately, it comes down to an inequality that exists, you know, both within countries, but also amongst countries. Um, And this is the challenge, you know, not just for us working in the eye care sector, but for all of us working in the sort of health and development sector. You know, I think for those of us who, as you said, are in the UK or the US, it's quite um, surprising and quite striking to hear that there's a billion people you know, who have some form of vision impairment, but they just don't have the access to the services that they need um and and this is you know down to a number of problems that exist within the health system uh and the general system in those countries. you know why health hasn't been prioritized it hasn't been properly funded in places. it's often been quite siloed from the rest of the kind of mainstream health system. Um, And so it's just not been given the priority, frankly, that has been needed over the last few decades to tackle this global problem. So in many senses, the resolution helps us to elevate it as a global development issue and one that needs really addressing over the next decade.
2: And my impression is that many of these eye problems are quite treatable things like cataracts, which are routine in countries like we live in, or just even having glasses that will work. And these are hard to get to people in rural areas or people who can't afford these things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, over 90% of that 1.1 billion people without access uh, to eye care services their eye care problems are completely avoidable with for example like you said you know cataract and and glasses being uh the two sort of biggest things that could uh, solve uh, the their problems so it's something where there's a there's a relatively easy solution it just requires the kind of the global and the governmental support to make it happen um and that's why i think Actually, you know, on the positive side, you know, vision is an area which offers enormous potential for countries um, because it's relatively easy to solve as an issue. But also because um, and this is recognized in the resolution, it supports, you know, other broader objectives and goals around education, around economic growth and productivity. Um, So it's a real catalyst, I think, for country progress
0: even incredibly simple aids um we've spoken with a woman Beverly Crook twice actually on this program about a program that she has where she travels to underdeveloped places and delivers white canes to people who never even knew they existed and these are people who you know couldn't get from their cabin to the outhouse independently because they couldn't see and nobody had come up with a solution yet. And so there's, you know, even some very, very simple things that can be done to aid people in these situations.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, we take, we often take our eyes and our vision for granted, but actually, you know, it touches every part of our lives and every part of our sort of development across the kind of life course. Um, So getting people to to think about their own eye health, I think is something that is critical uh, and something that actually we're doing now as as IPB. We have a global campaign that we're running for World Sight Day this year, where we're asking everybody, not just those in the eye care sector, but uh, those in the sort of general public to think about their own eye health, to go get their eyes checked, you know, particularly in the countries where they can do that, uh, to try and raise awareness, you know, for those people who can't at the moment access those simple services.
2: You mentioned that your organization has been around since 1970, and I'm wondering in terms of this new resolution, which really sounds exciting, how does that in a concrete way affect what you can or cannot do? Does this, for instance, come with more money or more staff or, you know, what is the impact of the resolution?
1: So I think it comes with an enormous amount of potential. Um, as I said, you know, it's the first time that I think eye health has been elevated in this way on the global stage. But it's also the first time that um, the global community have really thought about eye health, not just as a health issue, but as a development issue. And so, you know, I think that opens up a number of doors to think about how we can get eye health uh, not just within the mainstream health system but perhaps in the education system to get the ministry of finance the ministry of transport to be thinking about vision and eye care as critical to their programs of work you know as i mentioned there's a number of different calls in the resolution uh, to different uh, organisations and stakeholders, and we want to make sure that those are actionable. Um, And so the task for us is now to start going to those institutions, to those governments, to those donors and uh, financial institutions, and uh, see if they'll come good on the um, calls that were made in the resolution.
2: So this essentially gives you more leverage and visibility with these other organizations now that you've kind of been sanctioned by the entire UN General Assembly.
1: Exactly. And, um, you know, I should mention, obviously, that the critical sort of group behind this resolution uh, was the UN Friends of Vision, which, as I mentioned, is the group of UN ambassadors who've been really committed to raising the profile of eye care within the United Nations. Um, and so that's a group of about 50 or so ambassadors um, that were set up in 2018. So they will now be our champions uh, taking this resolution forward, certainly within the United Nations.
2: Is that an official organization or just a kind of an ad hoc group of people with similar interests?
1: So it was initially an ad hoc group. And when it was founded by Ambassador Webson um, in 2018, it only had 10 countries, I think, come to that first meeting and it operated relatively informally over the sort of first two years. But then since the adoption of the UN resolution, that group has now been formally recognised within the resolution. So it's sort of almost formally become part of the UN structure, uh, which is wonderful to see, um, particularly because Ambassador Webson has been such a tireless advocate for eye health. He's actually the first blind ambassador at the United Nations. So he very much has a a personal commitment to this issue. And it's been so incredible to watch that group uh, in a relatively short period of time, you know, go from uh, a meeting with 10 countries to then uh, a landmark UN resolution.
2: Well, that's kind of cool. And also having someone with a vested interest, as you say, with a little bit more knowledge or direct personal knowledge of some of these issues.
1: Exactly. I mean, he's been a fantastic champion. And we've been very lucky because we've also been joined in that group, uh, in the leadership of that group by the ambassador for Bangladesh and the ambassador for Ireland as well. So um, they joined as co-chairs last year and have really uh, been critical to getting the resolution passed this year.
2: So you must work Pretty closely with that group. What are the differences in what the two groups do?
1: Yes, we work very closely with that group. So we effectively are IPB is the secretariat to that uh, ambassador group. Um, and then we're supported as IPB by a number of our member organizations. Um, so we have Fred Hollows, Sight Savers, One Site, Vision Spring. Vision Council of America and CBM, um, who've also been all very actively involved in both supporting the ambassador group and then obviously in the policy and advocacy work in getting the resolution.
0: Is there anything we missed that you want to talk about?
1: I think the only thing that I would say is just in terms of implementing this resolution and what it means um, on the ground for countries. Um, You know, the critical theme of this resolution is around integration. And I've mentioned, you know, not just integration into mainstream health services, but also integration across different sectors, across education, uh, across business. Um, And I suppose it's really critical that uh, the whole eye care sector get behind that agenda and that we hold governments to account, ultimately, Um, We, IPB, and uh, in fact, all of the UN ambassadors who work towards this resolution want to see a world where everyone has the access to the eye care services they need. Uh, So it's it's a big agenda and it's a great start with this resolution, but there's a lot more to do.
2: What are your next steps now that this resolution has passed? Will you host conferences or meetings or do you contact many of these organizations directly?
1: Yes, absolutely. We hold a number of different things to help advance this at a national level. So this year, we've done a series called Advocacy to Action, uh, which has really been aimed at uh, the whole eye care sector um, in an effort to sort of inform them and inspire them on how they can uh, take forward and advocate for this agenda at a national level. Um, And so we'll run that series again next year with a big focus on this resolution and implementation of this resolution. We quite often do a number of other different events and webinars, um, and myself and the team will be busy developing lots of advocacy tools and resources that members can use in their work and in their engagement at a national level.
0: Well, congratulations on getting this resolution passed. That's, That's a fabulous first step, and we wish you the best of luck in getting it implemented and hopefully reversing some of the vision loss that people have been experiencing.
1: Thanks very much, Peter and Nancy.
0: You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, success,
1: success, success, success.
0: Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness and how to contact Jessica Thompson directly.
2: If people wanted to find out more about your organization or they had questions, where would you direct them?
1: I direct them to our website, uh, which is www.iapb.org. And then, of course, people uh, feel free to email me directly. So my email is jthompson at IAPB.org. And I'd be very happy uh, to take any questions and also to give more information about how people can get involved.
0: Can you remind our listeners what IAPB stands for?
1: Yes, it's the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness.
0: And do you have a social media presence?
1: We do indeed, yes. So we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, I think that's all of them.
2: And what kind of resources will people find at your website?
1: We have uh, advocacy toolkits. We have uh, sort of various different kind of information documents on not just this resolution, but Uh, more generally on the kind of policy and advocacy work that we've been doing. Um, But also critically, we're the sort of hub for all the data and evidence and information around eye care. So we have something which is called the Vision Atlas, which has the latest uh, data and information globally on eye care. And so anyone coming to our website can look at uh, the various causes of vision loss, the prevalence in different regions and different countries. It's a really great resource, actually, uh, for people to use, not only in their advocacy, in their sort of programming and planning, but also if they're just generally interested about eye health.
2: Sounds like a great source of information and a way of connecting with other people with similar interests. Thank you. Thank you. And as usual, we'll have all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. I want to remind our listeners around the world that we also have a new YouTube channel for Eyes on Success. You can Google that, and we encourage people to subscribe to that YouTube channel if they don't want to miss an episode. They can also subscribe to the podcast if they don't want to miss an episode. And these days, you can even listen on your smart home device by simply saying, play the Eyes on Success podcast.
0: That can be kind of fun. That's it for show number 2143. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about accessibility features introduced in iOS 15. Every year, Apple releases a new and improved operating system for iOS devices. Each release also usually comes with new accessibility features, and this year is no exception. We'll talk with Dean Hudson, Apple's accessibility evangelist, about some of the new features that are expected to benefit visually impaired users in iOS 15. And you'll want to join us next week if you want to hear about some of
2: those new features in Apple's latest iOS operating system. And for those that don't use Apple devices, the week after that episode, we'll have a show about Android devices and what's
0: new in that regime. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpey and Peter Torpey. You can access the full archive of previous
2: shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to
0: hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.